Every time you mention an artist, they end up in the news the next week. Welcome back to Barley Conspiracies. Today, we investigate the curious case of Barley Radio. Parlay Radio is a podcast that gives objective takes on popular musical artists based on a nominal criteria. But what if that criteria includes death? Join us as we do a deep dive into the phenomenon known as the Parlay Curse, where a famous artist is covered on recording the week before news breaks on the artist. This week's episode centers on Smash Mouth, a popular musical act in the late 1900s. The week after recording, the former lead singer, Steve Harwell, died of liver failure. The comments the host and guest made were not intended to speak ill of the dead, but were they intended to kill Harwell? All conspiracy theorists say yes, while basic logic points at no. However, they continue to record and present evidence as it's researched and discovered through various news sources. What we're about to show you is the episode in its entirety, recorded the week before Harwell's passing. Be advised, this episode is traumatic for younger listeners. <laughs> Parlay? That's the one. Parlay. Parlay. Great day and welcome to another episode of Parlay Radio, the podcast that gives you the objective take of the bands you love and love to hate. We are back with our Simply the Fest Marathon. Jay. Simply the Fest! Thank you. I'm going to introduce our special guest today as part of Simply the Fest, but first, gentlemen, introductions all around. Jay Bain, and somebody once told me the world, it's going to roll me. My name is John Coleman, and I'm here to endorse Smash Mouth for president. My name is Devin Hughes, and I'm sorry about your penis. I'm, I'm supposed to. You do didn't it. listen to the first album, did you, Jay? <laughs> Not that song. Oh yeah, that's a really, great that a song. song. You're right. You're right. Uh, my name is Craig Shea, and I uh, wish the Smash Mouth no longer performed the song "Roadman" live in the year 2023, and we'll get into why. Well, let me go ahead and introduce Craig a little bit further. Craig Shea is a member of both Cold Rex and Answering Machine, both of whom will be sharing the stage at this year's The Fest in Gainesville, Florida as well as doing a solo set. Craig is here as a part of our Simply the Fest Marathon. You can check out both bands and Craig's solo stuff on Bandcamp where you can purchase some tasty merchandise. As we always do, we encourage our listeners to support our guests and their bands directly because everyone needs a meal. Please welcome to the show, Craig Shea. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is very nice. Um, So is it my understanding that one of you is going to be your first fest? Hi there. 
Jay, I've okay, great. So Jay, I wanted to tell you about here. I, I have a, a just a glass of ice. I have a special whiskey. Uh, I wanted to tell you. Oh, about. Oh yes, a special uh, fast whiskey. It's I called Malort. It. I have heard. <laughs> I'm I'm ready. I'm gonna pour. I'm it. gonna pour myself a little bit on the rocks, which I don't think I've ever done in my entire oh, life. Dear oh dear God, God, why are you I doing that to yourself? Hey, can I see that? Can you see? It? Can you show that bottle again? I want to see it. Oh, I just that got a, nice. You can buy merch on their Malort website. I just bought. Um, it, that bottle looks extra cheap, man. Not gonna lie. <laughs> oh no, it's made of glass. It it is. Is. It's <laughs> nice tonight. You fight your dad. Look, it is fucking gasoline. That is all. It, is. it just it, it smells. It doesn't smell like gasoline. It doesn't smell like it. It smells bad. It smells it's whiskey, but it smells like vodka. It's not whiskey. It's a wormwood schnapps. It's a it's a third oh, more disgusting. Oh god, thing. that's even worse. Yeah, I was joking about about the whiskey thing, but it it smells like uh, it smells like uh, something you clean out a wound with, and it tastes oh. like oh ooh. no chaser. Why do you do that? The ice makes it better. Uh, it's <laughs> very bitter. It's very bitter. The first sip is it's kind of like a dull kind of taste, and then it's like drain well, cleaner. You, what you yeah. have to know about Malort is that. There's like four to five waves of like taste, so it, it sits with you for like twenty minutes, and I think you can only safely have one shot a month. You also go through the five stages of grief and death as <laughs> you drink it. Relay <laughs> Radio brought to you by Malort. Please, God, no! <laughs> I would, I would be into that. I think that I don't um, want it. I, I want to be sponsored to... by things I actually love. Five cases and of being shipped I to your house right myself now, with. <laughs> you could buy it online from Spirit Hub, actually. That's how I got this bottle. There are liquor stores in Florida that sell it, Jay. We have a hurricane on the way. You might as well just go make yep. a stop. Oh, I, yeah, we're about to get it, like, straight up the butt, too. Oh, yeah. no. Right Stay on safe. us. Yeah. We, we dodged a bullet last year with Ian. It's the These I-name storms are just destroying this area so bad. John, the uh, difference between Craig's drink and what you have is you actually have a good drink. Oh, I got some of this Russian standard vodka, you know. Yeah. Again, okay. you have a good drink. <laughs> the worst vodka I ever had was, uh, it's called like Devil's something. And it says on the bottle, like, don't drink this straight. Oh, Dark Eyes, man. It's it's like rubbing alcohol. No, it was like, something that has a little actually, devil in the name. At my, my day job, I work with 100% isopropyl alcohol continuously throughout the day. Ooh, I like that smell of uh, isopropyl alcohol. The smell of IPA is still nowhere near as strong as the smell coming off of Dark Eyes Vodka. Yeah, I just got some of this gold Russian vodka that I have still sitting around here, you know, back before the ban on Russian vodka in America for some reason. I don't know what's yeah, going on. I can't think of a single reason at all. Yeah, you un-American prick. I'll tell you the funny thing that's like that I, I've been witnessing is people won't call the Moscow mules anymore, but like there's no consensus on what to call it instead of a Freedom Moscow mules. mule. Freedom I've seen, mules. I've seen. Yeah, I think I have seen that. I, Hell some, yeah. Some people tried to do Ukrainian mule, but I'm like, ah, I don't know if that's quite right. Yeah, I honestly, like I really don't feel like, you know, we should really rechange the name of probably one of the most like top five most iconic cocktails. That we have at every. Let's call every it the, the the cold metal cup drink, and then I'll still order them on occasion. That will be good. But this Can isn't I have about one of those copper cup drinks, cocktail drinks, please. Oh, you mean a mint julep? Yes. 
Yes, I would take one of those. Uh, you know who else like mint, uh, likes mint juleps? Is it, Kentucky, <laughs> is it Kentucky Derby time? Because that's the only time I drink no, a mint julep. Dude, that's, that's May. Sorry. May. Yeah, that's the only time I will drink it. Month of May is the only time mint juleps on the menu. This this happens every goddamn time. <laughs> Where one subject is brought up and it's like, what are we here for again? How did we get in Kentucky? <laughs> you know, I'm never going to pass down sharing a drink with a guest on the show. So I'm going to take my little vodka shot here because I was not ready for this. So, I, but here we go. Down the shot of water. I'm going to do my shot of liquid death because I quit drinking liquor. So Even more. Even more. It tastes like an ironing board. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it was referencing the YouTube, the uh, Malort commercial. Oh, fighting your dad? No, I bought a I bought a poster from their website. It says tonight's the night you fight your dad. I'll uh, Jay, I'll send you the YouTube video. A gentleman I, tries to do a Malort. Look, after doing research for this band, and I can't be on YouTube anymore. I've seen things from a certain <laughs> thing. I'm sure we're gonna talk about that I cannot unsee or hear. So yeah, we should probably just get on with the band. All right. Let me go ahead and introduce our, our, our topic of conversation today. Smash Jesus. mouth. John, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and it's he the pepper Jack like box from three weeks ago. I don't see you closing that damn thing. Not properly, at least. Did you know that originally they spelled it smash mouth one word? And then uh, after I they got signed that. by a record label, they decided to make it two words. I'm going to go ahead and do my little introduction before while John's chewing. Smash Mouth is an American rock band from San Jose, California, formed in 1994. The band's current lineup consists of Paul Delisle. Michael Kluster, Randy Cook, Sean Hurwitz, and Zach Good, having gone through several lineup changes over their near 30-year career. Best known for a retro approach to popular music, their catchy hooks lead to, or excuse me, led to large popularity in the mid and late 90s, with songs still playing on the radio today. Craig, you have so many puns prepared for this band. Why I have bits prepared for this band. I don't say anything. Why did puns. you choose Smash Mouth? Something about, there's just something about them. We all know who Smash Mouth is. We all know a handful of songs, probably more than we would think if we heard them. They were so big in popular culture because they've been in so many movies, probably most famously, like, you know, having songs in Shrek. They're like, they were in the movie Rat Race, which means they were famous enough at a certain point for like a big movie studio to say like, the people will recognize this band, which like today would be like, you wouldn't put them in a movie today. Um, so I think I picked them. They've also been in my life a long time. I think the first time I heard them, I was probably like eight or ten. Uh, All Star had just come out, and I was in summer camp. And my summer camp did this thing where they would make us all do like song parodies, where we changed the lyrics to songs to be about how much we loved camp. And my camp group had All Star, and I listened to All Star like a billion times. It's the first song where I think I like learned every single lyric. So I think I never got over that. I I have a story that I'm saving for whenever I tell you some facts about All-Star. I have like why. 10 stories. It's it's just the one where I uh, I absolutely despise radio for, for a number of reasons. Um, because not of the song necessarily, but definitely because of All-Star. It just it haunts my nightmares. Oh, they also have a song called Radio. I thought maybe you were talking about the song. No, no, just actual like public FM radio. You don't celebrate the entire Smash Mouth discography? I try not to. 
<laughs> I think I'd get too excited. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't really like radio either. I like the payola part where um, there's a lot of corruption and, and that, but otherwise I don't really like radio. Priest palms are nice. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. It's cool though. Luckily Spotify doesn't have any of those issues. Well, Craig, welcome to the show. We appreciate having you here. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. No, I'm yeah, kidding. That's, it. <laughs> kidding. that's it. All right. We're going to go ahead and jump in so we can start breaking down Smash Mouth a good little bit. Today, we are starting numbers with Mr. J. All right. So according to bestsellingalbums.org, Smash Mouth has sold over 5.7 million albums worldwide with 5.5 million certified albums sold in the U.S., and I will go ahead and preface that by saying I cannot find any UK certified numbers at all. So I'm sure the numbers are probably higher. Um, once we get to streams down below, we'll definitely understand why. Uh, currently, Smash Mouth has seven studio albums, four compilation albums, 13 music videos, and 12 singles. They've gone 12 times platinum worldwide. I'm appalled. I'm Jay. Nice to meet you, appalled. <laughs> their first debut album it's always the first debut album their debut album they only have three uh, of them <laughs> <laughs> their debut album in 1997 uh, Fush Yumang went to number 19 on US Billboard 200 uh, was certified platinum two times in the US one time in Canada had the singles Walking on the Sun, which went platinum in Australia and also hit number one on the Billboard Adult Top 40. Astro Lounge, their second album in 1999, probably the most well-known album, uh, hit Billboard 200, peaked at number six. It's gone uh, three times platinum in the US, one time platinum in Canada and gold in Australia. Had the single All Star, which the single itself went five times platinum. Uh, including three times in the U.S., and it peaked at number four on U.S. Billboard's Hot 100 in 99. The self-titled album in 2001, which, funny story behind that, Smash Mouth actually held a contest on their website in the fall of 2000 to name their third album. The result was a two-way tie with the winning suggestion being to self-title the album. Really creative Smash Mouth fans. Really creative. I want to know what the other two are titled to go with a self-titled album it must have been really bad <laughs> the self-titled is what went out oh my god you found it didn't you what are we looking no, for no you just oh god damn <laughs> you just said oh my god for no reason you just reacted <laughs> that's just this is what he does i don't know what medication he needs but he needs some all of them <laughs> all of them he needs some alert <laughs> no no, I don't want to get him talking. Good old, good old American-made, probably Malort. My brain's described from this marketing class I'm in right now. It's pretty rough. We should talk about marketing. What's uh, what level of market? Is it like a one-on-one class? Uh, like 205. 205? Okay, it's a little you, more advanced. Are you doing homework during your show? No, not anymore. I'm glad this is a good break from it. It's resetting it's, my uh, brain slowly. But what was the... Well, you know who else is good at marketing? Radio stations that play Smash Mouth. Uh, no, actually, I, I don't believe John, shut the fuck up. Page. Jay, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the album Smash Mouth, released by the band Smash Mouth. Uh, this is confusing. Shut up. He did on <laughs> Billboard's 200 at number 48, 
was certified gold in the U.S. with the single I'm a Believer, which was a cover of the 1966. <laughs> Not you. I muted him. John, I fucking hate you so much. <laughs> you miss so much time with us, and then you come back and you throw wrenches in every fucking gear that we have. What the hell? We were running great without you, man. Come on. I forgot I can mute John. I'm now so happy again. <laughs> that is a quick play button you need to have like right next to John, John has a question, but I, I bet I have the same question as him. If I could interject, I know we're not done yet. Go Absolutely. Ahead. So you mentioned the self-titled came out in 2001. And mm -hmm. there was a large historical event that happened that year that affected things like music sales and movie releases. Mm. And I know that like they never i don't think they sold like their first two albums sold well like especially mm -hmm. astro lounge but they were never able to repeat that success with record sales again and i can't help but notice the self-title came out november 27th 2001 so i wonder so what what happened in 2001 oh was it george w bush's inauguration no obviously that was, that was 2000 famously 2001 would have been in the inauguration you've always get it you probably didn't hear about it election, it was this thing in new york elections but... 2000 the, the it was my 14th birthday and i reflect upon no <laughs> anyway so uh 9 11 messed up a bunch of album sales and stuff uh yeah so this did. came out november 27th so i wonder if the release got pushed back it was supposed to be earlier and i wonder if that just harsh the general vibe of smash mouth after that we just weren't excited for smash mouth I mean, I definitely know there were a lot of albums that actually were like big albums that released on September 11th because it was a Tuesday. I know um, P.O.D.'s satellite album went out on that day and it, it really affected first week sales really badly. So yeah. definitely would explain why there's lower numbers on it. I'm sorry, John has his hand raised. Now <laughs> He's just going to say that he had, the same, he had the same point as I did. Yes, John. Uh, so my, my question is, why do bands release an album with their name as the album name? So, John, John, have you ever played in a band? No. Well, do, you know how bands, do you know how bands come up with their names? Usually by they... like a uh, one person has all the power because they're the front man and their lead singer. And no. he just picks the band. No, 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 no. The front person is usually a buffoon. That's definitely not how oh. things happen. No. Right. Yes, definitely. I'm just kidding. No, it's... <laughs> Every no, band true. name and album name and song title name, but especially band names, it's just the least bad idea that everyone could come up with in that moment. So self-titled, why not? Because like they ran a contest. None of the suggestions were good. They took the coward's way out. But honestly, it's like like Cold Rex. Like we have a talent where we're actually really good at coming up with the worst possible names, like things I could not possibly suggest. But like Cold Rex was just the best name we had at the time. We have a new EP we just recorded and we've been talking about names for like three weeks and we, we're just we're just settling on the one we hate the least at this point. Well, at least it's not the same name as the band, though. I mean, like, look at like Fall Out Boy, like their names or their albums are like a paragraph and their song titles and song I mean, titles. Yeah, look, General very Sal's successful, Fury, so maybe I should do the same thing. General Sal's Fury was almost chocolate Doritos. Oh, that was almost our name. Well, and that's the like that's the name that everybody goes, ah, Hmm. <laughs> yes. At the same time, but then you have like opposite side of the spectrum, you know, like Paramore and now Smash Mouth, where their first album is Paramore and first album Smash Mouth. And then you have Paramore's first album is All We Know Is Falling. I thought it was Paramore. And Smash no, Mouth's first album was 
not the self-titled album yeah that was their third later on i mean at that point if you have two successful albums and you release a self-titled album i think everybody knows who you are i mean hell then you've also got someone like metallica their what fifth album was metallica but it was called the black album how many self-titled albums does Weezer have? I think Weezer only like, has Weezer. I can't think of it's any. Just no, the it Ratitude. We got Ratitude. We got uh, the Van Halen like one, five. probably. Pinkerton. Maladroit. So there's you say, Mal- few, you say still... Maladroit or Maladroit? I mean, we're Southern. We say Maladroit. Maladroit. Duh. I don't know how we're supposed to say Thank it, but you anyway. For education. Yeah, we're... 2001. Continue on, Ooh, Bob Dylan has three. Bob Shut Dylan the fuck albums. up! Oh my god, <laughs> three. I understand. There's more numbers to cover, Jay. Thanks, John. You have spaced this all out so long. My fucking mouse is now dead. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a personal issue to me. Oh, I hate you. All right, so from the self-titled album Smash Mouth in 2001. They also released a single for I'm a Believer, which was a cover of the Monkees' 1966 hit song, and it was used for the movie Shrek, along with the song All-Star, which ended up causing All-Star to start charting a second time. Impressive. The single itself went platinum in Australia and silver in Germany. Peaked on Billboard's Adult Top 40 at 15 and on the Billboard Top 100 at 25. For streaming numbers, this honestly surprised the absolute hell out of me. Smash Mouth has 1.5 billion Spotify streams. That's insane. If I could interject uh, again, I was looking up some of like the general playlist that Spotify puts Smash Mouth on. Um, so we we have playlists like you know like the, the I don't know if, if they're algorithmic or uh, edit like they have editors do it, but. Uh, so Smash Mouth appears on the Spotify playlist Keg Stand (laughs) Get Chores Done and Wedding Party that's unfortunate I don't know whose wedding that is probably my wedding we probably play I think think my wife limited how much Smash Mouth we could put on the playlist I I think it was like one or two songs Smash Mouth singles are basically drunk white party songs. It's good that's dance music. Fair. Every one of them. Yeah, it's good dance music. You got like you it's, know, like the, it's fun. They're they're a fun band. Like driving all their music is super fun. And like the synths, like kind of organy sound that really adds a lot of texture, and the vocals are what they are. So on Spotify, they have 8.7 million monthly listeners, with the highest song being All Star, with 950 million streams. Second being I'm a Believer with 225 million and Walking on the Sun with 142 million. There's a steep drop off after that because the next song that they have on that list is Can't Get Enough of You Baby and it only has 21 million streams. So they got three big hits. The rest, while they're good, while they got some play, definitely not near as big. You know, I I think I actually... In sixth or seventh grade during music class, we uh, we had to do like this uh, rock band, a garage band on the on the Apple computers and MacBooks back then. How young are you? I'm 28. Young. Yeah. He's the so that's something. What, He's wait, the little brother of the show. Your garage band in music class? You, you, you right. So we had a little, we had a, so we learned about bands and we had to like make an album and it was either sixth or seventh grade in music. So like we, uh, you got to take home your laptop, right? So you had to do your whole, your that semester's project was we had to make that album. 
So you had to go all the way. You had to make like 10 songs in GarageBand and you had to like name your album, do your artwork and like print it out and everything. So, and you got graded on it. It was cool, really cool. Project. Middle school you did this? Yeah, what middle, middle school. school did you go to? Hey. Uh, Gardner Regional Middle School. So, hey, John, just, just to give you a little idea, when Devin and I were in sixth grade, we still had typewriting class. Yep. Oh, we had keyboard. So uh, it's, it's fifth grade. No, we, it was typewriting. It was a fucking we, we typewriter. Had a typewriter. We did not have keyboard. We, I we, can't remember what the, what the program was, but you had to go in there in fifth grade. We had to go to the library like once a week and you had to do like this key key test, like essentially typewriting. But like we were graduating high school when John was in fifth grade. Yeah. John, have you ever touched a floppy disk in a public school? Yes. <laughs> Don't know. No, no, not question, that. John. Uh, I had Follow question. Uh, Follow question. question. Was it floppy? It, no, it was hard. That is not the real floppy. That's not the real floppy. <laughs> so, uh, like, I remember it was like second or third grade. We had like this little old freaking like Mac computer in the in the corner of the class, and like you had like this little zoomies. Thing. I can't remember what it's called. I want to say zoomies, but like you had to put it in, and like you had to get these old blueberry type people across this bridge. It was a lot of fun. Anyway, so I'm pretty sure I based my album off of the uh, Walking on the Sun album by Smash Mouth back then. Uh, I've been meaning to start this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. This train just keeps on rolling. Uh, welcome back, John. Welcome yeah, back. sorry. It's, that's my podcast curse. I can never focus and I can never answer a question. So I, I, have, I am diagnosed ADD. I understand. So. Oh, look, I'm not, anyways, to finish up, I'm 99% sure that I have that CD album somewhere at my house. Uh, hopefully you guys remind me to look for it when I get back to the family on Thursday or Friday. Please depending don't. on how this hurricane goes. And I can I'll upload it into the internet and send it to you. Please don't. Please I could send you my ska band doing a demo of one two three four one two three four by Catch Twenty Two, nice. but um, it's not good. <laughs> it's, he's like, it's not. Good. You might remember my ska band, Eli Winnie the Sound Machine from Fest Fourteen. <laughs> I didn't go to Fest Fourteen, unfortunately. So uh, one last thing with numbers, our favorite part: awards for the song "All Star." It was nominated for one Grammy, the only Grammy that Smash Mouth has ever been nominated for. It was for best pop performance by a duo or group with vocals in 2000, but it lost to Santana's Maria Maria. Really sad, because that song was kind of eh. There's far too much to unpack here. Didn't he also like sweep the Grammys that year? He really did. That whole album. That album is great. That is a very good album. That song's not though. <clears throat> no, I mean honestly, smooth I could see, but not Maria yeah. Maria. Is uh, smooth but... one of Santana's more popular songs? Yeah, I would say Rob Thomas. Yeah, the Rob probably Thomas his one. most. Popular. That one, uh, Game of Love with Santana, Michelle the Branch. famous Latin guitar player, did a song with the singer of Matchbox Twenty, the '90s alt rock yes. band. Wow. Also, Santana went on an anti-trans rant this past week. So yeah, the other thing I was going to say was like, radio uh, curse. I knew he was going to come up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. No one in that group has said anything problematic lately. Anyway, he apparently apologized for it. He said it on stage. So, no, obviously it's terrible. And I, that's even it. worse to say it on stage. Jesus. No, 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 it was just off the cuff from the heart. It's fine. He apologized it was off the cuff the from the heart. It was just a tiny audience of 5,000 people and several cameras were recording the entire yeah. incident. It's okay. From, it's okay. Anyone. Off the totally cuff from, from the heart. You know, that just means you fucking feel it asshole fuck that guy but tell us how you really feel jay anywho 
now I'm going to make myself happy because I'm going to bring up our most favorite award show on uh, Harley Radio. Oh, yeah. Nickelodeon Kids Choice Award! Oh, man, I oh, thought you were going to no. say Razzies. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> I really wish. I mean, Razzies they were, they were on Rat Rings, but I'm sure it didn't win anything. But in 2000, they won the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards for Favorite Band. Wonderful way to end it. So I probably voted that year. That's probably me. I think I voted for Sugar Ray that year, so right, ah, we canceled choice. each other out. Yeah. I just wanted to fly. Didn't we all? That was 96. No, it was the same year. Really? Yeah. Huh. Well, I don't think Fly was, but Sugar Ray was one of the uh, yeah, bands. Yeah, Sugar Ray is Someday and a couple of songs. I think it might have been Someday at that point, yeah. But I still just wanted to fly. I'm Peacock, you gotta let me fly. Put your arms around me, baby. Put your arms around me, baby. I am wearing shirts that do have the word hug on it during fest, so it's entirely plausible. That's it for numbers. Okay. That, that was uh, seemingly painless. Thanks, John. Yeah, I said seemingly. I think we yeah, could take longer to do the next bit. Um, yeah. my, my mouse is still <laughs> dead, might I add. So. Well, why would it come back? <laughs> Have you tried CPR? <laughs> I've tried throwing it at the camera, but it won't hit you. Uh, it's because you're you're not saying the magic words. I right, hate so John. we're talking about. So you guys got lyric stuff, or should you want me to just I, talk I about lyrics? I got lyrics. It, it, is that where your next bit is? I don't think I need a bit for the lyrics portion. I think Smash Mouth <laughs> kind of took care of that themselves. With, uh, I, I will say some of these stories are a little odd and in a very positive way. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that about Smash Mouth, but I'm covering lyrics today. So the first song that I'm going to cover is Then the Morning Comes. Uh, this is one of their first hits. 13.2 million streams on Spotify. Again, they only have a handful, so I think this was like number five. Uh, Greg Camp was the writer of the song, and he explained, Then the Morning Comes was written in my little garage studio at my old house after we just got back from the first tour. It's basically about being on the road and how every day is like Groundhog Day. Partying with friends and fans after the show, waking up feeling terrible and tired, then doing it all over again. The line that says push rewind refers to how it's like starting the tape over as soon as it's finished. You get caught up in the moment with everybody after the show, knowing you'll be hurting the next day, but you get up and do it again anyway. We did it for years and years. We still do. I can't believe we've survived it. Steve once said in an interview that I wrote about him, uh, that I wrote it about him, but it's more about all four of us during that first tour. Uh, considering Steve's no longer in the band for reasons that I'm pretty sure John's going to cover soon, it could very well be about him. Devin, none of them are in the band anymore. That's true. <laughs> Actually, uh, who's one the... founding member left? I think. Oh, really? It's not Greg. I know it's not Greg. No, it's no. Uh, uh, Paul Delisle is the yeah. only original member left in the band. What's he play? I believe he is the bassist or keyboardist. Gotcha. Really yeah, sure. uh, Greg Camp. Really glad that he hasn't done anything problematic because because his musician skills. That was a joke. Because his musician skills uh, on, on these early records, like he's why I think Smash Mouth is so good. Um, even getting to like All Star, like the music of it, like in the chorus of All Star, it's not just like it's. You think it would be like major chords and whatever, but it's like weird. Like there's like diminished stuff. Like if, listen to All Star again and really listen to the chorus music. It's super weird especially for a radio hit but I, I really dig it and again just so glad that in 2023 greg cramp has not done anything that makes me uh question my taste in music i honest to god would love to hear a uh an ai 
turn All-Star into a Radiohead song. And I don't mean the music of All-Star. I want it to be a total converged Radiohead cover. Well, All-Star is uh, a lot of people actually will use that vocal line in like kind of joke remixes and stuff because he kind of just sings the one note. So it fits in everything. Yeah, that's true. And I'm actually going to get to that with All-Star. Oh, sorry. I don't want to. No worries. No worries. Get a name drop T- uh, DJ Cummerbund. Do you ever follow that guy? <laughs> I'm familiar with DJ Cummerbund. He's from the same town as me, but he's like five years older. So like I never met him. But there's a couple people who are like five years, five years older from my town. I'm like, if I was a little weirder, I could have been that guy. So uh, Then the Morning Comes is actually the first single released after All-Star. It peaked at number 11 on uh, January 2000 in the Billboard Hot 100. In the music video, this was really limited as far as facts for this one because it was kind of their last hit, um, at least the last original one. In the video, vocalist Steve Harwell keeps having nightmares about seeing a beautiful woman, played by Stacey Sanchez, Waking when something embarrassing happens, uh, first a dog urinates on him, and then the next time he steps in gum, and the woman laughs at him. However, in the last version, which he is still wearing pajama pants and slippers, she joins him and he awakens to reveal the two in bed together. So, Steve passed the bottle of Malort over to this lady and uh, said, yeah, it's uh, it's totally fine. He just kept pouring the Coca-Cola in to try to wash out the taste as much as possible and... Um, I'm sure there's accusations about that as well. I can't believe that was their last radio hit. Yeah, that, like, that was the last one before the uh, the Monkees cover. I'm like looking through Spotify. I'm like, oh, wow, this is so embarrassing for Devin. I can't believe. Oh, my God. You're right. I didn't even know that song. I, I recall it uh, mainly because my brain is just an iPod on shuffle is probably the nicest way I can say it. And I know way too much about bands. Way too much. And the show made it even worse. The next song I want to cover is their first hit, which is Walking on the Sun. Uh, this has 142 million streams on Spotify. This song is actually about the 1992 Los Angeles riots. I didn't know that. Uh, quote from Greg Camp. The song is basically a social and racial battle cry. It was sort of can't we all get along song for the time that I wrote it. It was just about all the things that were going on around me as a young person. And I'm like, God, what's going on? I don't understand why this is happening. It's like we might as well be walking around a planet on fire. So again, this was the first commercial hit for the band. And the DJ who massively supported the band being successful was none other than Carson Daly, who at the time was working for the alternative rock station KOME in San Jose. So they were Carson unsung. Daly uh, famously hosting a ska show on MTV back in 97. Of course, he would love Smash Mouth with uh, <laughs> you know, the original record being a ska record. Look, the original record is really fucking good. <laughs> so I'm not going to I'm not going to deny that. By Ska's forever. But you're saying uh, like wh- when the morning comes is about like touring and kind of not getting along. Is this maybe a 90s precursor to the pop song? Uh, if this tour doesn't kill you, then I will. It's entirely possible. It might be. <laughs> Pop also has ska roots, but I can't remember the name of their high school ska band. I mean, I have folk roots, and I was in a ska band for six years, so I can't really say much. What's but ska I also band have punk roots and metal roots and pop May I ask what ska some band Some R&B for some reason. I don't know why. No country, though. No country. What was the name of your ska band? General South Fury. Wow. You can still find them on streaming services. I left the band in 2012 um, on good terms. 
they got a different singer and guitarist did an ep and an album after i left and i don't think they played a show in four years how many smash mouth covers did they do that uh i would say at least two <laughs> to be See, cold rex has done cold rex has done well what you actually have done too like what were they we, i didn't do it with them but knowing them how they did it how they did shit after i left the band it's entirely possible i feel like they did one <laughs> because i remember them debating doing a cover of all-star so are you mad that they covered me. you seem mad that they covered all-star <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna get to that <laughs> so. he's just mad that he didn't get to cover it that would have been me chugging the bottle of Malort uh, so in April 1996 the group was unsigned but KOME put their song Nervous in the Alley in rotation anyway and later added Walking in the Sun soon after Carson Daly moved to the mighty Los Angeles station K-Rock where he continued to champion the song and give it airplay other stations followed suit, attracting a lot of attention to the band, which was then given a bunch of record labels' attention. So they signed with Interscope, which released Walking on the Sun as their first single in 1997. It landed at number one on the modern rock chart, and number two on the airplay chart. It wasn't sold as a single, it was with the album, uh, which actually helped the album sell two million copies. They were more of a punk band, of course, when they started, which is very apparent on their first album. I still highly suggest it for anybody that is a punk fan to go take a listen a to Scott, it. Scott punk band. More of a Scott punk band. Yeah, yeah, album. I'd say it's like half and half with the album, to be honest. Well, it's the Scott punk. That's like the yeah, punk piece. Yeah, well, yeah, so were we, so I get it. Um, and yeah, this was actually from Camp's original band is when he wrote it. Um, he wrote it initially on a nylon string guitar. And he said it sounded more like Santana or something. So again, we mentioned that <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, it had bongos and maracas and stuff on the original demo. We took it to Eric Valentine, who produced the record, and we had just put more locomotive driving beat into it. It was already simple, so we just did a little Dorsey-style riff in there, and that's what happened. Uh, Steve, the singer, brought it to where it needed to be because of his gravelly voice, but still had melody with it, which I disagree with completely, but still. And then lastly, this fucking song that everybody knows and is now getting popularity again thanks to all these damn Shrek memes on social media. Uh, All-Star. <laughs> All-Star, 951 million streams on Spotify. Uh, it's not a bad song. It's a terrible fucking song. Um, <laughs> it's a brilliant song. Brilliant. <laughs> so well brilliant, thought out. So cool song. musically. Like The Room. You just can't stop watching it. You can't stop listening to this shit. Personal opinion. Okay. Uh, so Greg Camp, quote, when we were on tour for the first record, it's when people thought we were, uh, excuse me, it's still when people were writing fan mail, like in the form of paper and pencils, typewriters, etc. We would get these big bags of fan mail, we would take them to the laundromat, we'd do our laundry, read all this mail while we were sitting around waiting for our clothes to get dry. And about 85-90% to 90 of the mail is from these kids who were being bullied by their brothers or older siblings who were giving them shit for liking Smash Mouth or whatever they were doing or the way they dressed. So we were like, we should write a song for fans. It was sort of a daily affirmation, it was designed to be an uplifting, self-confidence building song. Okay, I still hate it. Uh. The voice that says Go for the Moon came from an album of sounds from the Apollo Moon mission issued by NASA. Cool. Um, yeah. Greg uh, cooked it up in his basement studio where he would use turntables to get beats and scratches. 
the uh, clip is public domain, so he didn't have to pay any royalties to use it. On July 11th, speaking of space, July 11th, 2006, this was played to wake up the crew of the space shuttle Discovery. Why the fuck would you want to wake up oh to this God. song? I would jump Hell out yeah. of space. Well, if you had if you had to pick, open the airlock. <laughs> this is something I used to do at a job I used to have, um, where we would like like ask new people like a million questions just to get to know them, like funny stuff. And the question that I always asked, and I'm going to ask all of you. You have to pick one band. You have two choices. Smash Mouth or the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'd go with That's Red it. Hot Chili Peppers. Chili Peppers. Everyone kind of picked Chili Peppers. I would. I always push for Smash Mouth, but I think the fact that Red Hot Chili Peppers have just a larger discography, they tend to win out. That adds just to Californication. It. That's really the only one that I'd be like, yeah. Maybe Blood Sugar. That's about it. I mean, you have... Aside from Kiedis, like very talented musicians in the band, uh, mm -hmm. Kiedis, I do appreciate his songwriting skills, but also I've seen them live before and he was out of tune the entire time, was... singing off key completely. It's not terrible. about that. Even uh, in the recording, it it's me off out. key. It sounds it takes terrible. me out, man. <laughs> uh, the music video was directed by McGee, who went on to direct the films Charlie's Angels, Terminator Salvation, and The Babysitter. In the 90s, he directed several notable music videos, including Shoots and Ladders by Korn, One Week by Bare Naked Ladies, and Fly by Sugar Ray. Joe Sudano became a YouTube star with videos of him singing the lyrics to All Star oh, over the melodies of various hit songs like you were talking about before, including Adele's Hello, Bastille's Pompeii and John Lennon's Imagine. I, I've seen it. It unfortunately works, <laughs> and it's brilliant. You remember um, there was were coming out. I would watch them, and I'm like, well, this time he's gonna sing the real song. And then every time, like, I ah, got me again. Never, never. <laughs> you have to keep the troll alive if you're gonna do it. Uh, All star writer Greg Camp connected with Sudano on Facebook, gave him the thumbs up. It works on every song. I just think he's fabulous. He's this big, overweight guy who sits in front of his computer and just kind of does his stuff like this all day long. The song is written for people like him, who may be a bit of an outcast or not accepted socially because of their appearance. This is his quote. I just have to read it. <laughs> what do you think to say? <laughs> and he's just going for it. He gets it completely. He's the person that the song is written for. Greg Camp endorses big, fat people sitting in front of their computer Ooh, <laughs> singing nice. All-Star. We Hell wrote the yeah. song for computer losers. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we wrote it for. People who just spend a lot of time on the computer. Remember the World of Warcraft episode of South Park? That guy that keeps beating the crap out of everybody? Yeah, that guy. Man, uh, meatloaf! Uh, I gotta poop. Bathroom! I will not be doing a South Park impression to add to this. No, I, I, I avoid it as much as I can. Good. Okay. Uh, the band performs <laughs> a snippet of this song in a 2020 progressive commercial where the spot is interrupted by the progressive commercial halftime show featuring Smash Mouth. The ad aired during football playoffs, giving the company exposure to football fans without buying a super pricey Super Bowl ad. Hell yeah. Uh, yep, Shrek. So the songs used in Shrek spawn lots of audio and remixes and image-based memes related to the Green Ogre. Don't ever say those in the words late two thousand. Shut up. One of the earliest parodies, however, was the two thousand nine YouTube video "Mario, You're a Plumber." I've never seen it. I kind of want to see it. Which used the song to tell the life story of the Super Mario Brothers character. And then, lastly, a sound-alike version is used in the twenty twenty movie "The Last Blockbuster." 
In the film, both Greg Camp of Smash Mouth and Darren Hayes of Savage Garden talk not about music, but about video stores, with Camp explaining how they were a part of this, uh, how they were a part of his dating strategy, which was hmm. not Netflix and chill, but spaghetti in a video. You just destroyed, I was like, ah, video store nostalgia, never mind, he was being creepy about it. I, I worked at Blockbuster, and unfortunately I used to see it all the time. What, is it just like dudes, like, have you heard of this film, Pulp Fiction? <laughs> You would have guys that came in in their mid-40s that maybe not the best-looking guys on the planet. I wouldn't even say moderately attractive from any perspective. Just Everyone like, has their own charm. Everyone, yeah. I mean, I, I, I know physical looks are not everything to everybody. Personality is a big thing for a lot of people. You're attracted to what you're attracted to, whatever. There were guys that would come in who would, uh, I'm not going to lie, probably had prostitutes with them and check out a couple movies and then leave. And I'm like, what the hell did you pay for? Like, how did she go about that rate where you're going like, you have to rent two videos for me. And it would always be like one of the softcore porns that they had on shelves that barely had any nudity to it. It just alluded to a sex scene and then the camera would just pan away. <laughs> they like would in, always uh, like in the room. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they would rent that. They would rent some regular action movie. I don't know, Die Hard or something. And then a kids movie. What the fuck is going on in that house? <laughs> that way you don't know. Like, oh, she can't, yeah, nothing illegal is happening. I, I mean, I, I wish they had like a registry for just like, okay, we have to alert the FBI if they combine <laughs> these types of films at the register. Yeah, Blockbuster's just a honeypot. We all know that. You get them back with like dripped wax on the cases. Just <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that wasn't yeah. wax. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't wax. I had a very different blockbuster experience. Something we glossed over, though, was the uh, you mentioned the All-Star Music video and who it was directed by. But we didn't talk about the fact that the, like, the footage from the All-Star Music video is mostly from the movie Mystery Men. Correct. Which is kind of like a cult hit. I think it's comedy about like you know, weird superheroes. Fun movie. We had, uh, you got Ben Stiller. You got Kel, Kel Mitchell. Mitchell man. The late huh? Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. Oh, yeah. Like, one of his... Silent like, but deadly. That was one of his first non-peewee roles. It was really entertaining. Did a good job, yeah. So if you want to watch... Oh, and also uh, a young Dane Cook, who is in the music video Briefly. for yes. All-Star. Yes. By Smash Mouth. The Waffler. That sounds about right. The Waffler. I remember the Waffler. That. Yeah, he didn't get picked for the team, though. And uh, Tom Waits hitting on uh, elderly ladies at retirement homes. Yeah, there's like a there's a deleted scene that goes like more in depth of him like hitting. It, I love Tom Waits in movies though, I really do. He plays such a weird guy, but it's brilliant the way that he does it. It's just bizarre, and I'm like, yeah, that fits. It's Tom Waits. What, yeah, he's what, like what a mad scientist. He makes it. like weapons, but yeah, everyone go watch Tom Waits in Mystery Man. But that is all I have as far as lyrics. Oh, okay. You kind of missed a lot, in my opinion. <laughs> We We're not going to talk about the Padrino. entire catalog, Greg. <laughs> uh, well, the standout to me is Padrino because it's like uh, like a mob kind of song. Like they talk about the Italian mafia. The music is cool. Shout out Greg Camp, always being really cool at music. Wonder what he's up to. Definitely nothing bad. And uh, but yeah, that's that song's really cool. Like the guitar is like very kind of like uh, surf rocky, and then they do it's it's just all about like it's like just mafia stereotypes. 
Why do I now have to Google Greg Camp? Because I, I literally have no idea what you've been alluding to. Well, yeah, save it for the controversy section. It's nothing. You're not gonna. You're gonna not like him, but you're not gonna weep open. Well, maybe you will. I don't know. I don't know. It depends on if John got anything for that. So we're gonna. Go controversies. Throw it to you, sir, for controversies. I feel like I have some controversies. Yeah, a couple good ones, you know. Overall, the band doesn't have that many controversies that I was able to dig up, but I was oh, okay. able to find a couple spicy ones. You know, five chili pepper spicy level here. That's very spicy. Like uh, a level spicy? Uh, I don't know who that is, but we'll move on. <laughs> um, He's a chili pepper. <laughs> John Frischante, I think he played in Foo Fighters. There's only like two people I know from Foo Fighters, and that's, uh, you know, Dave Grohl. Oh, my mistake. John, John actually, John Frusciante actually plays in Pearl Jam. Oh, well, and really, actually, Peppers only know about Flea. You know, Flea's the only one that matters. He's the voice oh, really? of Donnie from the Wild Thornberries. So yeah, come on. Yeah. All right. What are your Smash Mouth controversies? Uh, so Paul Delisle, right? He's accused of domestic violence. Of sorry, extreme domestic violence by his ex-wife. Oh, bummer. Uh, what, what, what was he in the band? Was he the um? What did he play? Bassist. The guy who's still he's, in the band? Yep, he's the, the only, only one that's lot. still in the band. The only original. All right, let's mm-hmm. just all think about whether or not we add Smash Mouth to Spotify playlists and things like that with that knowledge, because that's pretty heavy, and maybe yeah. we should all yeah. really think about it. We, we kind of, yeah, like a lot of times we, we tend to try to not cover bands that are accused of such things, and sometimes yeah. we don't know until we actually... It's from this. 2012, but I wasn't able to fi- uh, pull up at the court documents, but it says there are court documents filed and everything going, and it's ongoing from what I was able to pull, but that doesn't mean it's, you know, actually ongoing. It also doesn't mean that it's, you know, not ongoing. It could just be, you know, sealed still, you know? All right, maybe no Smash Mouth covers at Fest if you're in a Fest band and you're listening. I, I would avoid it at all costs if uh, you guys have the uh, capabilities of doing so. I will say, though, and this could allude more to the lawsuit that's going on, California State says that it's a no-fault state as far as divorce is concerned. You split the assets 50-50 unless one party claims domestic violence. At that point, it can be taken to court where the accusing party is entitled to up to 100% of all assets from the divorce. Yes, Jay? I have the TMZ article about Paul Delisle. Oh, God. Go for it. So, apparently, his wife in the claims... Uh, claimed that Paul, quote, and I am quoting this. I apologize for having to use this word. Should we like trigger free. warning real quick? We're talking about yeah, domestic this, violence, this, so if you're not yeah. into that, maybe skip a couple minutes ahead. This is definitely a trigger warning, um, and I am quoting, so feel free to beat this out later on. Sure. He, She claimed that Paul, quote, called me a cunt and told me to get out of his house. He threatened to kick my teeth in. He has slapped me in the head and back, thrown objects at me, locked me in a closet, locked me out of the house, broken down doors to get to me, pinned me on the ground and sat on my chest, dragged me out of bed by my ankles. Yeah. All right. None of us on this podcast are Smash Mouth fans any longer. No. We are tapped out. We are doing this in memoriam of Smash Mouth. So this came in 2012, the more I dig on it, and there's literally not been a single thing on it. Like, even when I pulled up the court from where it is, like, the year, because there was a divorce 
It's yeah, that's not probably it is, most honestly. likely divorce court that you can't. That's not. Probably. And it's yeah, it's, it's, it's so crazy often stuff. under so often underreported. So we'll just assume. We we can never disclose whether or not anybody is actually completely guilty of domestic violence or assault. However, any accusation needs to be taken as seriously as possible. We do not endorse those types of behaviors. We are not affiliated with that type of behavior. And again, a lot of times we don't find this stuff out until we actually look it up. So I didn't. I don't. Th- I didn't. Know no, it, it, I assume there's some stuff with it the happened with we Vanilla Ice. It happened with Vanilla Ice whenever we covered him. We completely neglected the fact that he has actually been arrested for domestic violence and charged. Jeez. And we didn't even think about that. So it happens. No worries. Um, um, the other one which you've kind of like mentioned is uh, Steve Harwell. Apparently this dude is not a like okay guy, but he's apparently also been dealing with a lot of uh, sickness and led to his retirement from the band after he went on a uh, drug and alcohol infused tangent at a chaotic n- New York gig. Oh, New York, on, that's so interesting. Uh, I wonder if I knew anyone who was there. Maybe I got an eyewitness account before this interview to talk about what happened from one of the opening bands. So they apparently started the gig with some uh, technical difficulties, which <laughs> led true. to people getting upset and then the band members getting upset. And he was apparently completely intoxicated during it, went on stage and said, at one point, I will kill your entire fucking family. I swear to God. And said, fuck you, bitches, put up the middle finger and did a Nazi salute and run off stage. So, Craig, hey. uh you're our on-site reporter for this. <laughs> I wasn't what, there. Um, what were the eyewitness accounts that you, you have? It was in uh, Kingston, New York, I think. I feel like it was like a state fair kind of thing. And the openers were Lara, Hope, and the Arctones. Lara actually plays in a few bands, so I might have gotten the band that was opening that wrong. I know her and her husband play in uh, as like the Gold Hope duo sometimes. Lara, Hope, and the Arctones have actually played Fest. I think they played Fest uh, 18. Uh, which is cool because actually uh, when I was like learning how to like write songs and play she lived in the town where I went to college and she hosted the open mic where I learned how to write songs so what a what a full circle connection that cool. person who gave me a space to learn how to like write music uh, open for Smash Mouth and it was a nightmare uh, here's what she said I asked her if she would tell me anything she said well that day was definitely one to remember but probably not for the singer Steve he was super wasted and saying all sorts of crazy stuff on stage, such as, if I could suck my own dick, I'd never leave the house. <laughs> he brought some random girls up on stage to sing with him, and he hardly actually sang. Even their big hit, he had the bass player sing. The rest of the band was telling us after the show that they want to kick him out, but since he's an original member, they have to wait for him to quit. I'm pretty sure he did quit right after the show. We were supposed to play for 90 minutes, I believe, but their sound check went on for so long that they cut half our set. The rest of the band were pretty nice guys. The singer had his bouncer tell our guitar player to stop following him because they didn't realize that he was using our dressing room. So check out Lara Hope on the Arctones, a great rockabilly band. They play, they tour all the time, and they've played fast. Now, yeah, while I was looking up some stuff, I did see that they had a, another touring singer Mm-hmm. Uh, during the last couple of years that yeah. uh, Steve was with the band. so Yeah, they actually, yeah. So they wouldn't always have Steve. They would have a, a, the guy who's currently like the touring singer. Yeah. They would have him fill in. But they didn't tell their fans they were going to start doing this. So I was doing some internet sleuthing and people were like, hey, is Steve younger? And did he get rid of all of his tattoos? 
<laughs> I mean, at this point, other than the bassist, aren't they just like a cover band? I mean, pretty much, yeah. It's yeah. like Leonard Skinner at this point. They're just a cover band. Was it the uh, Dream Theater singer? Whenever he was asked to audition for Iron Maiden, he uh, refused simply because he didn't want to feel like it was just him singing tribute to Iron Maiden. It does sound like a lot of fun, though, I gotta say. I think he, he I, might have messed hell, that I'd one up. Hell, I'd do it. I wouldn't care. <laughs> you want to be an Iron Maiden? No, it's not artistic enough. But uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of potentially more controversies, I have one that's not... Act- well, it's not a talked-about controversy, but... Um, Cold Rex used to always tour through Morgantown, West Virginia, kind of an interesting college town. We like made a bunch of friends there. We we like stopped there on a tour randomly and like had a really great show after having kind of a bad time on tour. Anyone who has toured as a ska band knows what it's like to have a bad time on tour. Except there's more people on your tour because of all the horn players. Anyway, so uh, so they played in Morgantown. So a bunch of people I know, like I don't, I guess it was free or something. So like uh, my friend's daughter got a set list and posted a picture. So I have what a recent set list is. Uh, not as many deep cuts as I would like, but they play a song called Roadman, and I was talking to Mike from my band about it. I actually didn't know that song. He was like, oh my god, I can't believe they still play that. I was like, I know why? He's like, uh, because it, he sings with a Jamaican accent and he is a white man. And I'm like, oh my god. Like, I, like it was not okay to do that in the 90s, but people did stuff like that in the 90s. But like, certainly... Like, no one was like, hey, maybe you, sh- you shouldn't do the Jamaican accent song anymore. They just do I, it. It's not just that. The lyrical content on that song, too, is another one where you're like, are you really singing that? It, it, For those that don't know, Roadman is a song that is, that's one of the few songs that off that wasn't a single that I knew because it was actually the B-side of the All-Star single, and I had that in cassette. Roadman is a song about their roadie and goes through how the roadie just wants to speed to get to the next town and set everything up. In the end, the roadie gets hit by a train in the van. That does not seem like the kind of song you want to play with your roadies actually present. Nice chipper feel good songs like All Star where you empower yourself and be who you are and then a roadie dies. No, Devin, All Star is about nerds. Fat nerds at their computers. That is correct. (laughs) Thank you, Greg Camp. Fucker. Um, uh, Going on with this, uh, the the band Smash Mouth does have one of the most obscure feuds in 90s rock history. So with Sugar Ray? No, his is with uh, Third Eye Blind. Oh. So Steve Harwell and uh, Steven Jenkins has this... absolute obscure feud that nobody really knows the history about or where it came from but all people knows is that Steve Harwell is this extreme hatred of Third Eye Blind uh, Stephen Jenkins and that even in 2000, er, 2014 just went at the Bottle Rock Festival in Napa Valley Harwell just went on the stage and told yelled and was like Stephen Jenkins needs to suck my dick <laughs> And then in an interview later, he just says, Stephen Jenkins is just not a good person. And, he, and everybody's like, well, why? And he's just like, he's just not a good person. Like, what is the feud here? So I, I can elaborate a little bit on that. And I will say Third Eye Blind will be a parlay alum. 
I, I, I don't know if anybody's going to pick it for the Simply the Fest marathon, but I know Simply we're going to cover the them because I thank you. Because <laughs> I know we have them on that list. Uh, Jenkins is an egomaniac. Anybody that works tech at his shows is not allowed to wear gear that states third eye blind on it or else he will sue them or make them take it off. So even if they're roadies for his own fucking band, they can't wear anything that says third eye blind roadie or third eye blind crew. Is there a reason They have to why? purchase the shirts. Oh, so they're not just giving out free shit is what he's basically. Correct. Jenkins, oh, well. huge ego. He's the only remaining member of third eye blind. And from what I understand, he didn't even write half the songs. So he just, all the, all the hit songs I don't believe were Jenkins. Uh, there, no, there's a lot to unpack to with songs. that. Yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack with him. We'll get into that more when we get to that episode. Craig, you're more than welcome to come back on that one. But yeah, I it's uh, it, it's he, I love Third Eye Blind's music, but he's a dick. He's a straight up dick. Oh yeah, music's great. So they did a tour, I think, with Goo Goo Dolls, if I'm not mistaken, and it came through Jacksonville sometime in the past ten years. And uh, John Resnick is not a shit talker, per se. He's actually a pretty nice guy from what I've understood. And when we covered them, he pretty much seems like a pretty reasonable dude. Robbie, however, will talk shit. <laughs> and Robbie did not have kind words to say about him. He's like, hey, man, we just keep our distance, dude. He's just, he just does his shit, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. What else you got, John? Uh, Steve Howells just seems to be a very, seem to have been a very, like, uh, interesting guy with lots of, uh, explicitives that he would talk about other bands. Is that literally all you have? Yeah, there's <laughs> not a lot. Like, a lot I of the other people. two more controversies are, like, if you need. Please. I'm sure there are some other ones, but, like, when I dig on every individual member, like, the majority of them just seem to have had much more successful careers outside of Smash Mouth. That's impossible. Uh, like, uh... <laughs> The BMI. Great camp, great <laughs> camp seemed to have had much better bands after, you know, that. Oh, you want to talk about Greg Camp's bands after oh, Smash Mouth? Oh, please. Gimme, gimme. Gimme, Sutter, the drummer, has actually done a lot of bands from Marilyn Manson, Smash Mouth, Chris Cornell's projects, both Soundgarden and Audio Slave and Foreigner, and is even with Cher. Okay. Uh, I want to learn more about bands? Greg Camp, sir. <laughs> yeah, let's learn some more about Greg Camp then. I can tell you what band he's in right now, which is why I've been making jokes about them this whole time. Please, please, what you got? Greg Camp is in that new fucking Dickie Barrett band of all the people who got kicked out of their other bands for being like anti-vax and whatever. So it's called they're called the Defiant, and in a moment of weakness, and I've been putting this off. I listened to their single. And it's uh, old man yells at cloud. It's hacky. Like, <laughs> so the song is like, oh, you all be all get our phones and social media. It's making us dumb. I'm like, OK, that's actually not a bad theme. Like social media is bad. It is bad that we look at our phones all the time. But the song, in my opinion, I got really worked up about this. I wrote a bunch of stuff. It lacks compassion. It's like not it's not like we're the victims of this stuff. It's like, you're all stupid, we're smart. And then like the music video is high res footage of the band playing and then cuts of just like stock B-roll. <laughs> looks like they got for free. It looks terrible. So that's what Greg Camp is up to. I gotta say though, his music in Smash Mouth was very good. So what you're saying is they basically took a Tucker Carlson rant and then wrote lyrics. Anyone listen to Nick Let's Go? He is uh, 
it's like music parody style. It's like joke songs. But or this is uh, this is uh, TikTok YouTube guy uh, Austin Archer or something like that. I'm getting his name wrong, but uh, he has this song hero called. It's like it's like shut the fuck up, Tucker Carlson. Nobody likes you, Tucker Carlson. <laughs> is that the is that the same guy who does the uh, trolling my uncle my MAGA uncle's Facebook? Maybe I'm not I'll, sure. I'll send you the song. And okay. Yeah, you're you're gonna love it. it it's great pop punk song. It's actually quite brilliant. It's just kind of hard to understand the lyrics at times because I think the music is just the volume's too high. But that's more mixing than anything. Giving them mixed notes. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Fucking amateur. <laughs> Smash Mouth would have mixed this way better. Uh, there's one more Smash Mouth controversy, but it's like not. It's like I mean, it's it's big and it's not. It's it's a bummer, but it's not gonna bum us out. So maybe it's a good one to end on. Um, Go for it. They played that, what was it, like the Sturgeon Motorcycle Rally? It was like still peak COVID, no vaccines, oh, yeah, we're all worried about dying. Yeah, and... also played that one. The yes. super spreader event. Yep, that's the one that kept me home for an extra two months. The Sturgis Bike Rally? Yeah. Yeah, that one? Daytona. Has yeah. anyone ever played uh, like a biker rally? I played one by accident kind of one time. It was what? super weird. Yeah, not with any of my I bands. don't think Ska and Biker... <laughs> biker fest really mixed together too uh, no. biker bar it does biker bar but biker speaking fest. from experience <laughs> well this was uh in upstate new york near like rochester and i i'd never like been paid to like be in someone's band before and i wanted to see what the experience was like like truly like no connection to any of it like the woman she's very nice her, her name is diana zinni and she's like very talented and she, she's a cool person and everything but it was like it was me it was the drummer from the band living room who also played fast okay. uh and this uh guitar player who was really good and we like learned her songs she's like like solo you know like poppier kind of stuff generally um sure. yeah nothing yeah yeah she's a good singer and everything and we get and i guess she like knew the guy who booked it so i thought like this will be like an outdoor kind of county fair type of vibe no, it was like there's like a lot of veterans. There's a lot of like bikers for Trump, veterans for Trump. All of the bands were heavy except for Diane, but the crowd didn't really like, like the heavy bands. <laughs> and then we played, and then we did a no doubt cover, and that was probably the happiest everyone was all day. And so I learned <laughs> that um, I learned that I don't want to be paid to play music. <laughs> it's not my music. No, not not if you're you're selling out your soul while you're doing it. You want to sell yourself, not your soul. Yeah, we'll we'll think about that. You know, just minor prostitution. That's all. Music. It was cool to hang out with. I had oh, a good time hanging out with prostitution. Uh, music prostitution. Good time hanging out with Fred from Living Room. He's a cool guy. That's cool. Fred Dursk. Yeah, Fred Dursk. The the Coldrex producer Jesse Cannon, not on the latest EP, but on the two albums, he actually uh, was tapped to uh, like he did work on a Biscuit album. Nice. nice yeah jesse cannon he was in la and uh, this is his story not mine but like his joke would be if he was like at like a bar in la like talking to somebody and they're like oh brings you out to la you're like a new jersey guy what are you doing in la he's like i'm producing a limp biscuit record and they're like but why and he'd be like for the why? <laughs> then he would say for the nookie which is hilarious <laughs> everything LA radio alumni oh, God. Lip biscuit alumni Shout out to our buddy Alex, Alex Klausner of Rehasher. Thank you for hopping on, bud. My my only discrepancy, really, with Smash Mouth, aside from now the domestic allegations, because that's that's fucked yeah, up, I'm and I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm not going to support any band like that. Yeah. My big thing is uh, the amount of radio play that All Star got was enough to drive me absolutely insane as like a ten year old. 
I actually, so, then my mother can corroborate the story. 11th birthday, we go to a water park and there's like two cars full of kids and I think it was on the drive there, All Stars starts playing on the radio. Everybody likes the song. Everybody starts singing the song. Nobody's thinking anything of it. Radio station cuts to commercial break. So my mother switches to another station just so we can listen to more music. Fucking All Star is playing. <laughs> and mom's like, okay, this is a little weird, but all right. And everybody's just kind of looking at each other, but we're like, yeah, it's, you know, it's a good song. We'll sing it again. It's cool. So it ends. Another commercial break happens on that one. So she flips to a third station. The fucking song is playing again. <laughs> so then this is where it gets weird. She goes back to the first pop station. And after the commercial break, they play it again. <laughs> so, and what state, so what state is this? What state are This you is in Florida. We are, in Florida. So Jay and I are Florida boys. We uh, both born, raised in the Jacksonville area, a little town called Fernandina Beach, which is just shy of the Georgia border. What was your, what's your parents' address? No. <laughs> <laughs> 1313 Mockingbird Lane. Yeah, no. They're all named after trees in our town, remember? But uh, no, John is from Maine originally and then moved to Florida because of the Navy and now got married and has stepchildren. So he is kind of back and forth between a couple areas. But like Florida radio stations fucking suck. That's why you see your 6M. Yeah, or now just anything that's not radio. But at the time, I mean, we had like a good little mix in the 90s where they would play about every genre on one station. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it was nice. It was good pop radio. You'd hear a little bit of everything. You wouldn't hear the same song repeatedly every hour, except for All Star. So well, we're shitting on a radio, but like, let's talk about the real worst way to listen to music, which is: Have you ever worked retail? Yes. Oh, I told God. you I worked Blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember there being music at Blockbuster. Oh, there was always music. They would play songs from movies that were the singles produced off the movies. Smash Mouth had a Which bunch means All Star. Yeah, All Star was played constantly. <laughs> like how Smash Mouth had a song for me, myself, and Irene. I know exactly what you're talking about. I think what was the one song? It was uh, Ben Lee, Catch My Disease. That was the one that was played constantly that I can't stand. And I don't, I don't mind Ben Lee. He's a decent songwriter out of Australia. I, seems like a reasonable guy. But I just, I heard it too damn much. And now it's hard for me to appreciate him. He covered an entire Against Me album. He covered all of New Wave. And yeah, like he's New- actually a decent guy and he's a great musician. It's just that one fucking song. It's like if I hear Ben Lee, that's the first song that pops into my head. And then I'm just like, okay, where's the wall? Where's the wall? Because I need to bang my head against it until I render myself unconscious because there's no way I can get this in my head right now. And it just, it's unfortunate. And then Smash Mouth All-Star is just the same way. I, many, many people that know me very personally that have been around me when music starts playing. If that song starts playing, I will take their phone, their iPod, whatever it is, and I will chuck it right the fuck across the room as much as I can. Well, I worked at Staples in high school, and there was this weird thing that happened where they were updating their radio from, like, just regular radio to, like, something a little more selective. And then while that was happening, it was also December, so they started playing holiday music. So I remember in, like... This like the three songs in a row. I wish we heard All Star by Smash Mouth. We had it was like You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, uh, Bring Me to Life by Evanescence, and then like Won't Get Fooled Again by The Who. And it was just like three songs like that. Just like a 1920s Christmas song, like Lincoln Park, classic rock. Very nice. Yes, it was very nice. That, and that's why we're 
all musicians at this point because we have to put our mental obscurities into something because there's no way that we can go through life without having to snap a little bit so we better write lyrics or sing on stage did you have a moment where you're like i could write about my like emotional shit because i thought i didn't know i could do that until i was like 18 i wrote songs titled murray the homicidal duck uh radioactive pigs from outer space a song called number one three four three four zero which is about pluto no longer being classified as a planet we have a song called every cougar needs a pool boy i wrote one emo song and we never kept it because it was literally after a breakup i was dumb i was 19 and it was stupid so we just stuck with comedy it made it a lot easier oh, all of my i was i was the emotional writer yeah <laughs> oh yeah no longer can't do that anymore you're also six foot four so like crying on my shoulder means that you're toppling me over yeah really please don't cry don't hurt us your head i thought you were implying that people who are tall don't have like feelings <laughs> we don't we <laughs> no, don't he he's just he's outheights me and outweighs me so i can't i can't do much there they don't have feelings in their shins because they hit everything with their shins <laughs> our silence for that moment was so definite <laughs> oh man i wanted the, this i wanted him to be on the show that's what i wanted, I wanted i've been thinking about shins a lot because i've been watching king of the hill all the way through and the dad has the shin issue <laughs> I did see a uh, lovely little remix of uh, Boomhauer over Rap God. Oh, I just saw that like today. (laughs) It's like really good. I will also have to send you a shout out to uh, Kyle Parody of Oh the Humanity. Um, I will send you Trapped Man. You'll understand whenever you hear it. Sounds great. I heard this remix of the uh, Duel of Fates from Phantom Menace, Star Wars Episode 1. It was a trap remix of it, and it was phenomenal. It was how these kids these days say fire 100 100. Trap the genre or trap the band? The genre. We don't talk about the other one. Okay, good. When are you guys going to cover Trap the Band? We already have. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I didn't check out all your deep cuts. It's okay. It's long. okay. I uh, we, we got them temporarily banned on TikTok with our episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah money I, moves. I did promo videos where I just took the singer's tweets, the uh, far more controversial ones, and I put them over beautiful landscapes. <laughs> and uh, within the week, <laughs> within the week, they were gone. Are any, <laughs> so, of, the, are any of the former Trapped guys in the new Dickie Barrett band? Or I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't oh, doubt it. I'm sure the, the lead singer will probably be in it before, too. Yeah. He's probably going to ask if they could actually all join Trapped. We're going to tour together. <laughs> well, Craig, as we ask everybody who comes on the show, especially for our lovely Festathon, simply the Fest Marathon, mm-hmm. uh, who are you looking forward to seeing outside of your own acts at Fest? I don't know why I didn't prepare for this question at all. I just Because blanked. I put everybody on the spot because we don't do interviews. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll, uh, you know what? Uh, Heavy Lag from Brooklyn. I'm pretty sure they're playing. And like they, they play every Brooklyn show now. It's kind of like a joke. Like They play every single show. Um but it's uh, Josh from this band Up For Nothing that's played Fest a bunch. And uh, Greg, who uh, has played in Element and the Degenerates. Actually, Josh also has. And who else is in that band? Two, just two guys. Just so it's Josh, it's Greg, it's just two guys, two other guys. But yeah, it's just like, uh, they sound like the Minutemen or kind of like Dead to Me. Okay. So I'm going to plug Heavy Lag in a big way. And then who, who else is, this is like, I don't know, it was like 400 people playing. Go here. I'll give fest advice. 
Uh, try to see your friends or smaller bands versus bigger bands. Do whatever you want, but you know, I, I always try to see smaller bands. Make a schedule. Don't make it too rigid. Just like go with the flow. Don't try to see everybody. It's not going to happen, and you're going to be disappointed. Just like have a good time. Like ever. Like I've never seen an empty fest set. There's always people yeah. watching everyone. You don't have to. Like just do. You know, maybe you need to go to Flacco's and get a burrito. That's totally okay. You should do that. You know, maybe. You're drinking Malort in the Holiday Inn parking lot at 11 p.m. You know, that's okay, too. We've all been there. Out of a warm flask, sharing it with several other people that you don't know because it's not COVID yet. You don't think it's that gross. You'll also pass by people playing Magic the Gathering just at random picnic tables that are scattered around. I mean... Magic's pretty big at Fest, I think. Yeah, Pokemon Go is another big one. I think uh, <laughs> there, we'll get another group going with that soon. Can, I, can we do like, dual monsters? Or can I bring my... Like, my... My Yu-Gi-Oh dual disc with me and you know challenge people to do, 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 do. You can't um, if you have the dual disc when you try to get in a high dive, they make you check it outside in that little trailer. It's five bucks to check your dual discs before going into the high dive. No, they make you check your bags, but I imagine if you had a giant dual disc, they wouldn't let you bring it in. What, what, the, what the fuck are you? What is See, this? That's, that's why I'm sticking with Beyblades because you can hide them in your pocket. Just oh, too sharp. They're going to make you check them with the high dive. Yeah, have you seen that? They cut through steel. What? <laughs> You're just going to see that shit poking out of your pocket and be like, what the fuck kind of knife do you have? Uh, I guess Sorry I'm, about I'm, I'm excited. Something I'm, I'm excited for at Fest is to have a bartender who's in a band I really, really like and not know until like two minutes later. That happened to me at High Dive, actually. I went up to the bartender. I'm like, who are you? And he was like, figure it out. Because, I mean, it's kind of an obnoxious <laughs> question. I get it. But it was the drummer for Hot Water Music. Oh, shit. <laughs> and now the Bouncing Souls, too. Yeah, it's Joe. He's a great drummer. I Yeah, Hot Water Music. Yes. Yeah, one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, you're Florida Souls, people. Damn. You have to love him. Yeah. I'm more of a Hot Water Music guy than a Bouncing Souls guy. Well, Craig, we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for joining us today. Again, Craig is a member of Cold Rex and Answering Machine, and he is doing a solo set, so you can check them all out on Bandcamp. Search Cold Rex, search Answering Machine. Is there any specific URL that we need to do? Is it like Cold Rex or Answering Machine Brooklyn or anything like that? Yeah, throw a Brooklyn behind the band names. The only thing I would say, though, if you're looking to get an Answering Machine on Twitter or X... Uh, which you don't because no one posts on it. It's answering machine. We had answering machine is too long. We had to cut out a letter. So that's all right. We'll, we'll include some links in the bio for this episode. That way it's easier for people to navigate. Craig, thank you again for joining us on behalf of Jay and John. My name is Devin. I've already said great day, so I will say good night. Parlay Radio is a journalistic educational commentary podcast hosted by Jay Bain, John Coleman, and Devin Hughes. On the mention of bands and materials used, we are protected by fair use in copyright as we provide criticism and commentary through satirical means. We don't own the rights to any bands or stories mentioned, but we do have the rights to offer criticism and commentary. Incidental music is provided by Cloudkicker and Creative Commons tracks in the public domain. If you have a band or suggestion for the show, you can find us on Facebook at Parlay Radio, on Instagram at Parlay Radio Podcast, or on TikTok at Parlay Radio. You may also email us at parlayradio at gmail.com. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to our show if you enjoy what you hear. Thanks for listening.